Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. Yes, I am Tessie, and yes, I am a food addict, and I am so happy to see all these wonderful people. Some of you I have seen before, most of you I have not. Um, What I will tell you, my qualification, well, you know what, I'm going to show you a a photo, and I do that because... um, I did start my program out in Los Angeles, and after I had lost all my weight, I I was going to speak at a newcomer's meeting. And uh, before the meeting, a a newcomer came up to me and she asked me, what are you doing here in my fat meeting? (laughs) So I wasn't offended. I totally understood, totally. Uh, This was me uh, about three years before I actually joined the program. So what I want to share first is, I think it was Ari and, and Danielle and some of the other uh, newcomers. We have you. We have you. Just don't let go of our hand. And what I will share with you, there's something called the promises after the ninth step. The first four words is, if we are painstaking. So don't let go. It's going to be a bumpy ride, but you'll survive. I have been surviving for about 36 and a half years. So um, what was it like? Well, you know, I'm a food addict. I'm still a food addict. Probably one of my largest spiritual awakenings is that I'm not spiritual by nature, never will be. I am an addict by nature. That's the reason why I have to stay and keep working those steps. Because even the steps tell me you just have a daily reprieve, Miss Tessie. (laughs) That's it. And it's based totally on your spiritual conditioning. And boy, I'll tell you, what was someone like me who was an atheist? What would, what would I do in a program like 12 step? Anyway, uh, just what was it like? Um, uh, the things that I would do with food were not natural. Um, you know, there's a debate that something maybe happened in my childhood, and, and that's why I'm a compulsive overeater, a food addict. But I know what I have is a disease because it was night and day when it happened to me. Nothing was different. Uh, but I remember I was about six years old, and my mother put a plate in front of me. And I had always been a thin child. My mother was always forcing me to come in from play and to eat. and. I don't know what happened. She put this plate and there was this steak on this plate. And this steak looked like a lover to me at six years old. I don't know what happened, but I had never looked at food that way. And I still remember just the anticipation to getting to it. And from that moment on, 
my life completely changed. My whole life was all about uh, what am I going to get to eat next? How am I going to get to eat next? How am I going to be able to hide to get that food? I even became a thief. Addiction, I tell you, no wonder we have to have a spiritual remedy and no wonder uh, there's no human help for us. There's no human aid for us. We have to have a spiritual remedy. Uh, I was stealing when I was a little girl, you know, money out of my mother's purse to go buy food, but it wasn't candy. I would buy loaves of bread and bologna, and then I'd go behind the building, it was called Handy Andy, and I would make sandwiches and I would stuff and binge. I would get up in the middle of the night when I was a little girl and even in high school, and I'd try to get in, go to the kitchen and make food. And of course, you know, I, I'm Mexican and I love tortillas, so I would cook tortillas. <laughs> Well, they're very pungent, you know. So my mother would wake up and she'd run into the kitchen. She said, are you eating, Tessie? And I would say, no. <laughs> my addiction not only made me a thief, a liar, but man, I never emotionally matured because all that was in my head was food, 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 food. I would, uh, boy, I'll tell you, when I got those car keys, and I got my driver's license, that was nirvana for someone like me. I could go now to these drive-through uh, places. And uh, this is an example. You know, they say that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Well, that's not my insanity. My insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and knowing what the results are going to be and doing it anyway. That's how crazy I was. So, you know, I'd go through these drive-throughs. I'd order all these, let's say, Doreener schnitzels. I'd order all this food, and then I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I don't want them to think that I'm eating all of these sandwiches or these hot dogs. So I'd make up names, you know, while I was ordering. Uh, Jerry, I think he wants mustard on his hot dog. And uh, oh yes, Marianne, uh, she doesn't want any onions. I would go through this whole dialogue or monologue. So, I mean, that is just crazy. And um, so I was a very fat, fat child. And then when I got to high school, I remained to be a very fat child. And then when I got to college, I remained being a very obese young lady. And it's not until after I graduated that I, I found out about laxatives. So I became a bulimic with laxatives. And uh, then I found out about, uh, oh, gosh, if I just eat maybe 300 calories a day, I could lose weight. So for many years, I was this way, and then I was this way. I was this way, and then I was this way. And then now I'm living in Studio City, California. And uh, I'm in a bar with a friend from work 
and I see this guy in the bar. He's 12 years older than I am. I recognized him. He was a movie star. Someone that this uh, high schooler, young lady had a crush on. He was 12 years older. So we go home together that night and I end up marrying this guy. Uh, I want to share with the newcomers, you know, they say that we are beyond human help. Uh, I'll tell you what it was like for me, what I was like. Um, my nature to a great de uh, deal has changed. I'm no longer an atheist. I'm no longer morbidly obese and I no longer suffer PTSD. And uh, when I joined OA, I'll tell you what happened to me. Um, I married this fellow, this movie star. And um, so he began to beat me and spit on me. And uh, I was finally able to get away from him after a year. And uh, I lived in a van and I would park my van in Studio City and Sherman Oaks, you know, in residential areas. And I would keep the keys in the uh, ignition in case he found me so I could uh, drive away really fast. So here I am, I'm morbidly obese. I am suffering the depths of PTSD. I don't think that term was even around 36 and a half years ago. And uh, I just uh, was in terror all the time. So uh, what happened to me is a friend finally took pity on me. And he said to me, Tessie, you can live on my couch until you get yourself back together again. So lo and behold, that's where I was when I joined OA. And who told me about OA is my brother. My brother had been in AA and he had been sober for many, many years. And he became one of my greatest teachers. And I'll tell you how he taught me. My brother went to maybe three or four meetings a week, but he never worked the steps. My brother at the age of 64 years old died of a heroin overdose, a needle in his arm in a sleazy hotel in San Francisco. So how is my brother, one of my greatest teachers? I still hear him saying to me, Tessie, in this program, don't do what I did. Tessie, in this program, you do what I didn't do. So I tried his way, my brother's way, the first nine months when I joined OA, I had a graveyard shift uh, job. It's all I could handle mentally at a law firm in downtown, downtown Los Angeles. I 
I could only handle being around the custodian and just me. That's all I could handle as far as being around people. So what happened is then it freed up my days. And here I'm in Los Angeles. I don't know if it's still true, but there are a lot of meetings, 24-7 meetings. So I was going to three meetings every day. I mean, every day. And I did that for nine months. I'll never forget it. when the office was on Reseda or it was in Reseda, I can't remember. Um, I remember I was at a meeting there and there was a, a speaker. And for some reason, I was looking at another gal. She was very slender and I had to leave the meeting early. So I walk out of the meeting. I turned to the right to go to the parking lot. And this gal that I was looking at, she also left when I did. She was behind me. She turned to the left and there was a little alcove. A day later, I found out that she shot herself and she killed herself. So this is a fatal disease. We are beyond human aid and we need a spiritual remedy. So what was I going to do? I was an atheist. So after nine months, got five minutes. Okay. Uh, what was I going to do? Uh, so I find my first surrender is I go to a meeting and I'm thinking I'm taking a nine month chip. I'm crazier than ever. My body's small, but I'm nuttier up here. So I go to a meeting that I happen to never go to in Sherman Oaks. And uh, I walk in and you old timers will remember Bill B. Well, there was this old couple giving Bill B a chip for 15 years of abstinence. So I thought, okay, I'll ask this old couple. They didn't ha have what I wanted. I mean, they were old, they look like I do now, but they had the, you know, this guy, 15 years of abstinence, well, I'll ask them. So I go up to them after the meeting and I say to the lady, it was a couple, a man and woman. I say to, say to the gal, I said, you know what? Will you please sponsor me? I'll do anything that you ask of me. So she looks at me and she says, Tessie, well, will you surrender your sugar one day at a time? After telling her I'll do anything and everything, I say to her, I don't have a problem with sugar. So she asked me a second time, Tessie, will you surrender your sugar one day at a time? So you know what this nut did? I opened my mouth up so she can see I have no cavities. Therefore, I don't eat sugar. She didn't laugh, she didn't frown, she asked me a third time. Third time I heard the word surrender. I didn't hear the word sugar. And then the old man, I tell this couple, well, I'm an atheist. There are words of wisdom back to me. Well, isn't that nice? So he took that vinegar out of me. So then the old man, the crusty old man, he looks at me and he says, Tessie, we want you to get stupid. Well, I'm going to tell you something. 36 and a half years later, I'm still stupid. And I'm still surrendering to the disciplines that old couple gave me. And you know what they're getting me through? That discipline? My husband, he got cancer. And then I got cancer. And now I'm living with something called invasive ductal carcinoma.
they say it's going to take 10 years before we can tell you that you are permanently in remission. This happened five years ago. And now my husband, he's, he has terminal cancer. So I'm here to share with you. I'm supposed to be going through this to share with you that those steps, that surrendering to a higher power, the disciplines that were given to me 36 and a half years ago are still teaching me and keeping me at safe harbor. So it is a privilege that I can share with you that it's true what Bill W. said in his, his story, that no matter what life hands us, if we stick close to those steps, we will be able to walk through them. Whatever life, life's terms, we'll be able to walk through and keep holding God's hand. So thank you for letting me share. This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of Tessie obviously are her own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you asked a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question, please click the raise your hand icon. And Tessie, I will call on them and they will ask you the question. Okay. Nancy B. My name is Nancy B. And I still have 46 years of abstinence and 150 pound weight left from when I first talked this morning. Um, Tessie, you know that I am very proud to have had many conversations with you and have gotten to know you. And I'm one of those people when I, I was asked to put together a lot of lists of speakers for all over the world. And I did ask you to send me a picture to quantify that you had really been that big and you did. You know? But my question is this. I know your story well, and there's a lot more to it, but could you share with this group, because we have so many newcomers, some of the things that you've done on the path? Because when you start out, you talk so much about that we don't ever really want to be recovered. We want to be recovering. We've recovered from being fat and being obnoxious, but we are recovering because we're still a compulsive overeater forever, or we might leave. So would you share us along the path, the fun you've had, the joys you've had, some of the things that you do to get through these hard times, maybe your morning program, things that you do every day to put a little more emphasis into the part of the program that gives us the peace and the calm. Oh, thank you, Nancy. Um, gosh, I, you know, they say in this program, the root of our problem is selfishness and self-centeredness that I am spending several hours a week doing one-on-one -on -one book study, that I am helping, I sponsor. I'm doing, you know, that gives me so much joy. It's not something out there. 
you know, I don't measure my recovery by how I'm feeling. I measure my recovery on what I'm doing. If I'm helping others, I don't think there's any greater joy than I can experience than that. That may sound cheesy, but from where I come from, you know, uh, I had a sponsee. I told her about this movie star I was married to, and she said, well, you probably stay with him because you're trying to change him. And I said, no, I wanted to meet other movie stars. <laughs> Please. So that's my answer. That is what gives me joy. That what gives me joy is that the fear I feel around my husband, that I know I have disciplines to work that out so I don't become part of the problem and that I remain part of the solution. So I don't know if that answered it, but that's my, that's my reality. Thanks. Melissa. Hi, Tessie. Thank you so much for that lovely and moving and honest share. It was beautiful. Can you share with us what your daily spiritual routine looks like? Thanks. Yes, I can. I've been asked that before. You would think that I would say, and this is works for others, but I'm a little bit too wacky. Uh, I, I don't get on my knees at a specific time and pray. I'm so wacky. The prayer uh, has to be throughout the day for me. Uh, I'm not ever responsible for my first thought, but I am always responsible for my second one. So that's a discipline that I must maintain throughout the day. Um, I, uh, I do inventory. Uh, step 10, it says uh, I live by that uh, step 10 in the AA 12 and 12. I'm not familiar with OA because it wasn't around when I started. But in the AA step 10, it talks, it says it is a spiritual axiom that whenever, Tessie, you are disturbed, you are the one with a problem. So I do inventory. I ask myself, what's really your problem, Tessie? It might be that I'm jealous. It might be that I'm resentful. It might be that I'm angry. It might be that I'm fearful. Then I ask the question, write it. I always write it out. You know why? Because how it works tells me we set it down on paper or inventory. So I always write it out so I can give it away to another. And I do that. I give away this spot checking that I do now uh, about every six to seven months. And lo and behold, uh, all these character defects, um, you know, it doesn't say God is going to remove them. It just says that I have to admit that I have them and, it, and that I have to humbly ask that they be removed. That's where the work is. <laughs> that is where the humility is. Uh, I think my higher power has decided I, I'm more useful with my character defects because maybe more people, more addicts can identify with me, the addict, with these defects than a saint. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Any other questions? I don't see any hands in the icon. Uh, Pamela. 
Thank you so much, Tessie. That was absolutely beautiful. Um, can you talk about sponsorship? I know you told me about your first sponsor, but how do you sponsor people? And how important is being sponsored and sponsoring someone else? Uh, thank you, Pamela. I just want to say my eyes locked on you when I was sharing. There's something just so lovely about you. I mean, there's, we're all lovely, but there's just something that I connected with you. So thank you for that question. Yes, I tell you, I started sponsoring because my sponsors told me <laughs> to sponsor. I started sponsoring before they had even put me on the steps. This this gal I was sharing, this was still in Los Angeles. I was sharing, so she, this gal who was younger than I, I was 38 when I started program. And she comes up and asks me if I will sponsor her. Well, I didn't know what to say. So I called up my sponsor. She says, Tessie, we always help others. <laughs> so I just want to share with you really quickly. Uh, I have a friend who's an AA. He had three, when he had three days of sobriety, his sponsor had 30 years. So his sponsor says, let's go downtown Phoenix and work on some drunks. So his sponsor who had 30 years goes up to this drunk and talks about how he's had 30 years of sobriety. And the poor old drunk looks at him glazed, nothing registering. And my friend says, well, I have three days of sobriety. And all of a sudden the drunk wakes up and he looks, he says, my God, how are you doing it? So I'm sharing this. I don't care how long you've been in this program. If you had one day or two days, you have a message. You have a message. And so I'll stop there. Bob. Yes, thank you, Tessa. Uh, Tessie, uh, I'm Bob, compulsive overeater, recreational sugar addict. Um, and not now, but what did you do when, when food called? What was your action plan when different foods called that you weren't supposed to eat? Well, um, the disciplines that my sponsors gave me uh, when I first started out, and it's what I do with my own sponsors, is that they write down their food. Uh, now, before when I started, there was no internet now what uh, they do is they take pictures of their meals before they eat them. Uh, boy, it's so much easier. My God, before internet, when I would get home from work, I was two hours on the phone because I was sponsoring eight people. Um, and um, what I did is uh, the disciplines that uh, they gave me. I had to call my sponsor every day. I had to have my food written down and give it to her. And um, so I don't know what happened. Uh, I think somehow the brain, I used to be a smoker, a two and a half pack. Uh, when you quit smoking, the cravings hit you. I mean, five, every five minutes. I don't know if we grow new neurons or what happens, uh, but something has changed in my head. I don't have those cravings as I used to, but it took disciplines. And it's still disciplines that I do today. When a sponsor is having trouble with their food, I come right in and I say, you know what? Let's give each other food. Good morning. 
and uh, I'll stop there. Uh, Lorianne, please mute yourself. Okay, is are there any newcomers who have any questions? It's your first time here, so perhaps you do. Yes, Lonnie. Hello. Um, thank you for sharing and um, and for having me at this meeting. It's great to hear all the, uh, all the stories and everything. Um, my question is, um, I'm starting to embark on the steps, but it's been hard to do the sobriety because I haven't got to the point of actually like getting past those, I think the steps and such that are meaningful because I'm still on like step one too. And so I'm just curious what advice you give new sponsees uh, of like how to stay sober and, or sorry, uh, abstinent, um, in those first, that first bit of time before you kind of make the spiritual awakening that I think is going to bring a lot of that peace. Yes, thank you, Ronnie. Uh, this is what I, when I take on a new sponsor, I, I share with them that when the craving hits, that's the first thought, they're not responsible for that. Ah, but they're responsible for the second thought. What is the second thought? you immediately call someone, you get phone numbers, and you leave the message, my kitchen is closed. Sometimes if the craving is so intense, you leave the message, my kitchen is closed for the next 10 minutes. So it's baby steps. It's baby steps. Pick up the phone, don't pick up the fork. And this is part of if we are painstaking. But oh my goodness, it's worth it. It's worth it. I hope that helped. Shafina. Hey. Um, hey, hi, hi, I'm Shafina. Um, thank you for. Uh, speaking today. Uh, so the question I have is I'm actually very new to this, but I've been battling with like food my entire life. Um, I would not eat. I would drink so I wouldn't eat. So then I started getting an alcohol problem. But um, I recently stopped drinking and um, I put on about 20 pounds. Uh, yeah, about 20 pounds, and I've been very, you know, then you get depressed in other ways, but I still don't want to pick up the drink. Um, so my question is, is that how do you get rid of, like, because I work from home, and I, that's just what, what my job is right now, and, um, like, do you replace foods, like, for example, I can't, it just stays in my head, like, I want to eat, what am I going to eat, like, and then you go through this cycle of like hating yourself and then not wanting to eat. And then I tried throwing up before, I'll be honest. I can't do it. I don't throw up. I don't know why. Um, so now what I'm doing is I finally, I went on something called Ozempic. Shafina, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but could you get to the question? Oh, there sorry. Are... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So the okay, point is that... Five. Left for okay, sorry. Five. So the the point is, is that um, I started taking this thing so that it suppresses my appetite a lot, and I guess so. I finally I'm losing weight. So my question is, is how do you like control or like how like how do you maintain not thinking about food all the time? 
Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. What you're talking about is the mental obsession. Okay. Uh, our addiction is twofold mental obsession, physical allergy. So that, that mental obsession, I'll tell you what I did. I have to just keep changing the thought. And I, I've gone, the longest I have gone having to repeat a prayer over and over and over, so I wouldn't think about the food, was one hour and 45 minutes. Those are the lengths we have to go to. That's why I say that, you know, look at the promises, the first four words, if we are painstaking. Uh, you are suffering as we all do. Mental obsession, physical allergy. So you do have the ability to change that thought. Right? Yeah. So it's going to take work, it's going to take discipline, and it's going to take getting a sponsor. Uh, that's a, the first surrender, isn't it? Is taking direction for, from another human being? My God, but we have to. I hope that helped, Shafina. Okay, and Tessie has her phone number listed under her name, so if you have questions additionally, please feel free to call her or any other one of us. Uh, Raj. Raj, there you go. Hi, sorry. Uh, yeah, thank you for the lead. Um, one of the, like, I'm a chronic relapser and this is a two part question. Um, have you had experience with people like that and what do you recommend? And the second part is one of the things I've never felt good enough to be as a sponsor. I've had some years in program, but you know, my life is unmanageable and I keep binging and yo-yoing. I've been up and down, you know, 470 down to 180 several times and I'm back uh, up in the higher range. And, you know, um, I'm wondering like, is that the missing element being a sponsor? I don't know if I have anything to give because of this yo-yoing and powerlessness and constantly being a newcomer. What are your suggestions? Thanks, Pass. Uh, yes, Raj, thank you. You know what? I am a newcomer. Uh, every morning, I don't find God. I have to go look for God. So it's the disciplines. I wouldn't worry about, uh, there's different ways of helping each other. Uh, you know, put your phone number out there that you will take reach out calls. Uh, what a wonderful, you know, you never know. You might be wanting to binge and somebody calls you and tells you, please help me. I just need to call you and tell you that I'm trying to, I'm wanting to binge. So there are all, there are many ways of giving service to be there with, uh, for your other fellows. But I also am a newcomer. I am still stupid. That's what saves me, is that I know that in my head and I know that in my heart. I hope that helped, Raj. 